Betches Media presents Donald Trump was a, a stain on our country. I am someone's daughter, too. That's what I'm doing. So help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. The Betches Sup Podcast. Mr. Vice President, I'm speaking. Hello, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast, where C-SPAN meets the group chat to help you process and laugh at the biggest topics in U.S. news and politics. The biggest topic today by far is that yesterday, after 10 hours of deliberation, a jury found Derek Chauvin guilty of two murder charges and a manslaughter charge for killing George Floyd. He was remanded into custody immediately. I can read through some of the other facts from yesterday, or we can just get right into reactions. Do you want to, I guess, kind of celebrate? I'll do some sort of back. Yeah. How do we, do we feel celebratory? Do we feel relief? Do we feel? I I mean, I feel better than if it had gone a different way. Yeah. Complicated feelings. But uh, then like three minutes later, a policeman in Ohio shot like, I think a 15 year old girl. So yeah, I mean, you'd think that at that at that particular hour, they might be like paying attention to yeah. this and thinking like, oh, maybe I don't want to be, I don't want to be that person. But uh, yeah, it's pretty telling that literally like at, at the same moment that it felt like a huge shift was happening. Right. I didn't miles away or states away that was happening at the same time. How do you feel, Caitlin? Um. I don't know. I I've been more or less ignoring the trial to the degree that I could um, like kind of aware of it happening and everything, but not following it, the developments because like it was, it was a lot and I kind of knew where everything was going. And then it was just kind of like, I, I wish I could say I felt relief. I wish I could say I felt hope. I wish I could say I felt any kind of like positive emotion, but mostly I felt numb, like, congrats, we did the thing that was very obvious and should have been done. And if it hadn't been done, like there literally is no point to like at that point we'd be like, okay, we just need, there's nothing worth saving. Like the, I can't imagine anyone from another country looking at this and being like, Mm -hmm. America's got their shit together. It looks like there's going to be hope. Like, no, they were just like, wow, I hope America does the only thing you could do in a situation like this. Like, we've all seen the video. He was murdered on video that went viral around the world. And um, cool, we got him for murder, too, you guys. Yay. Yeah, as we were hearing yesterday, like, as people were repeating the term relief as if it was like a more acceptable thing to say than like happy or jubilant, which is not the, doesn't feel like the right reaction. I don't know. To me, I couldn't help but feel it's like, is the relief, the relief seems to be associated with like, okay, great. We're not going to have to be deal with the tension, the, the necessary tension that would arise had this gone a different way. I think that's the relief people feel. I think it's less about George Floyd. um, And it's more about like, great. We don't have to like, worry about protests and potentially more police brutality rather than there is no relief at the fact that as Caitlin said like we watched we watched the the we watched the murder happen it was for 10 minutes I I know we've talked about this a lot where it's like we've we've all I know Sammy we've talked about how we didn't know if it was going to go this way even though it was so obvious Um, but even though this was a pretty rare and dramatic outcome, all things considered. It doesn't feel very, uh, yeah, I don't have a sharp exhale. Well, it's sort of like, okay, the 
the positive thing is that like had they gone the other way, not only would it have resulted in like probably another full summer protests, which would have been necessary, but like. I didn't necessarily have faith in a jury of 11 people in Minnesota who were chosen for their lack of knowledge yeah. about what had gone on. Like, so, I mean, it's like, really, I just feel like, okay, well, at least it didn't go that way. Like, at least right. it's not yeah. that. Um, but it, it does say a lot about the level of, like, the level of anticipation and how nervous mm -hmm. people were that it wouldn't go the right way. Um, and I think that says a lot about where we are, which is a bad place. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, like the, the truth is, is that I remember seeing the stat and I think that's like, it's got, it's, it's been retweeted a lot of times now at this point, but like that, uh, that this was the first time a white officer had been held accountable for shooting a black person or like killing a black person. Like the first time a white cop had been convicted for like, yeah, killing Minnesota. a black person in Minnesota's history. And last year was the first time any cop had been held accountable for killing a civilian when a black officer shot a white woman which, what a surprise, that one got done real quick. There was no questions about whether or not, like, that process went fine. Um, <laughs> no great, up, there was no need for marches, no need for, for, I mean, like, it would kind of been insane if after all of this, like, we marched, we protest, we this, we right. that. We, we did all of this work. We, we talked about his name. We, it was a hashtag. It was a movement. People right. were wearing shirts whole NBA doing stuff oh not guilty are you serious like if that had happened like the people were like oh you know they were afraid of riots and they didn't want to, so they were pressured into doing it. it's like well I mean you could just look at the argument and the argument is that like this guy willfully killed a person who was begging for his life which which is, is there like we've all seen I, I've never actually watched it because I think snuff film is a terrible thing. And I think that there's yeah. like too much casual watching of black people dying in this country. Yes. Um, yeah. You know, lynching postcards haven't stopped, but um, the, the fundamental aspect of it is just like, you know, we all know it happened. Like we don't need to have watched the video all the way through. It's, it's recorded. Like you can't get more tangible and that we were even had a question is, alarming and disturbing it is a, it feels exactly like a lynching postcard where people are in the crowd yeah. looking at the damn camera and there was no accountability for any of those people they were smiling <laughs> at a lynching and they just knew nothing was gonna happen and that is where we are today congratulations we finally one time held one person accountable for murdering a black person in this country so as you're talking about that, I'm thinking of the phrase that we hear a lot lately, which is, I think, originally, I guess, from Will Smith, which is that racism isn't getting worse. It's getting filmed, which I guess sort of, in a sense, excuses people that haven't seen it because it suggests that it hasn't been before us. But it sounds like from what you're saying, there has been evidence, photographic evidence of this happening for a long time that we've just chosen to ignore. Yeah, I mean, the the, the thing is that, like, because it is so institutionally 
like intertwined with just everything in the country. Um, and, and also what was unique about this obviously was that it was not a shooting. Yeah. So it wasn't like, and I think the re which is a rare situation that it w is not, you know, a sudden quick shooting and it, it kind of makes it impossible to ignore, but that's not really the re the reality of how most, right. you know, black people die by police. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in some sense, this case sort of, I was reading this morning that this is really kind of our first really high profile police trial with a guilty conviction, with a guilty verdict, a conviction that sort of hit the beats of drama that people are used to. And now there's sort of a model for what that looks like where there wasn't before with, with Michael Brown, with Philando Castile, the people that were in Freddie Gray, Daniel Pugh, Tamir Rice, Brianna Taylor, some of these, these people's killers were put on trial and then exonerated. And this was the first time, I think, like you're saying all the reasons it's like, I don't know how much longer we can repeat. We saw him suffocate him for 10 minutes. I even have a hard time now that we have guilty verdicts, accepting the notion that uh, he did not know he was causing his death. Like, of, co of course, he was, of like, course, smiling. He did, like, I think he wanted to kill him. It seems like that's what was happening. Without being a therapist, I'm going to engage in some speculation. So speculation alert. Yes. I'm not <laughs> citing this as fact. First of all, the two knew each other. They are, are key. They were aware of each other because they worked for security at the same nightclub. So, like, in my opinion, Chauvin I and Floyd. Think, yeah. Oh, I did not just, know They this. didn't really overlap shifts, but like they had this tie. And like, in my opinion, there was something going on there that was not um, people maybe weren't able to uncover what the, mm -hmm. the, the, the thing was that kind of like could have led to a motive. But the way that he I mean, I also didn't watch the whole video because, again, like yeah. we don't need to watch a snuff film to know there's a problem. But the way that he like gleefully sat on him and like also his behavior in court in my opinion, read a little bit sociopathic the way that he was like taking notes, even the taking notes was weird the whole time to me that he would, but the, the taking notes after he had agreed not to testify during the closing arguments, like right. something so bizarre about that, that I'm just like, there is something wrong with this guy. Like he, there were also past instances where he had like done this to yes, other people. Yes, like yes, yes, this man is like, like, I don't think this is like some guy who just got caught, caught up in like a tough situation. Like yeah. this is a, I, the way I see it again with my speculation is that he purposefully murdered him because he, for whatever reason, like, I don't know, maybe he saw George Floyd, like, I don't know, like doing something that offended him. Cause, or he you just know, did not care if he lived or died. I honestly feel like he was doing it a little too gleefully for it to be apathy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if we'll continue to learn more about that. That is my speculation. That is just my observations of this person. Mm -hmm. But there's a reason I'm not making the prosecution's case because I just feel like, and I think. Yeah. We all know your hair and skin can sway your mood and impact your day in ways you can't underestimate. Sometimes what starts as a bad hair day quickly turns into a bad everything else day. I'd never found beauty products that really understood my needs, but ever since I switched to custom hair and skin routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Healthier hair and skin, yes 
But beyond that too, since I started using pros, I've noticed consistently healthy hair. Even with all I put it through with the heat tools and the hairsprays to get this pompadour sky high, it smells great, it looks fancy on the shelf, and I like that it has my name right on it. This formula is made for V. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. From millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely yours or mine. And Pros isn't just better for you. It's better for the planet. They're a certified B Corp, cruelty-free, and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool, which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription at pros.com slash feverdream. So get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash feverdream. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash feverdream. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. Whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of the things I like to buy on Etsy have little dachshunds on them or are four dachshunds. Dottie's got a whole litany of new sweaters and harnesses and all kinds of fun stuff that we get lots of compliments on when we're out on walks. A gifting moment is always just around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift Mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So now the nation sort of knows the beats of a high-profile police trial like this. But as we said, this is like so, it seems so aberrant from how a lot of these go down, which are usually by shootings and we'll get to the shooting that happened yesterday. And I think more people can like associate with making the wrong split second decision than by kneeling for 10 minutes. But I also wonder, you know, we're hearing like, this is, this is a new chapter. This is a new stage of police accountability, but I personally have a fear that this is on a different plane than the me too stuff. But like after Harvey Weinstein, everybody just said about rape and sexual assault. Well, it wasn't a Harvey Weinstein. So you had this consequence where it almost resulted in like not enough accountability and consequence for people that had engaged in terrible behavior because it wasn't as bad as that. Do either of you foresee a scenario where, because I think the public reaction did play a big role here. So do you think that in the future there is unfortunate potential for people to not take things that I guess were quote unquote not this bad or as clear cut and not support the same sort of outcomes? Yes. I mean, we, we've been living through it. Uh, people were feeling bad for Amy Cooper for a mm-hmm. while. That's uh, the woman who tried to murder a black man via cop. Like, let's just be clear. We have now gotten to a place where there's no question that if you are a white person who has engaged in news in any meaningful way since last year, there's no right. way you don't know that the, what, what is happening. Maude Arbery, that's quiet relatively. Um, I mean, we, we haven't looked into like what that situation looks like. Uh, we got a, a 
dead child again more than one in the last few weeks just yeah dead yeah. children and since the last time we talked to you Laquan mcdonald like we can continue going there are teenagers who are dying who are children and and we're the excuses they always they had a knife in their hands oh they were dangerous like maybe they were dangerous to themselves but i don't see how killing them solves that problem i just don't see why it seems i mean this is just such a stupid question obviously but like the knee-jerk reaction like why don't you just not like just don't right just don't just don't shoot anybody like it just seems so not complicated mm-hmm. but i was listening yeah. to um I, I don't remember his name, but he was an expert. I was listening to him on The New Abnormal yesterday. And he was saying how, like, it's the structure of policing that leads people to do things that is, are unfathomable to them probably before they become police. And, like, you can't go into a bad system and come out good. Like, it's sort of like you're not going to, like, become a Nazi and then, like, still be your good old self. Like you're, you know, not to compare the police to Nazis, but I'm just saying bad systems are bad systems. Well, let's grant them that like human beings have impulses and that like anybody feels threatened. If you have something to reach for, like you're gonna, it's, that's the problem. It's the guns that are the problem. If you get rid of their guns, they cannot shoot as many people and they will be they will be fine because we've they've proven that they are not able to correctly interpret what a threat is. So they should not have life ending weapons on them at all times. And that's not a lot of times it is their fault. But let's let's try to be like really generous. And if we approach them and say it's like it's not, you No human is capable of we all our mind. We all have like these lizard brains. But that means that like we can't have guns. We cannot have guns. Also, like. What I think would probably help is if they got rid of all these like dumb excuses to pull people over, yeah. like like an air freshener or a turn signal or like your taillight. Like, why does that need to involve law enforcement? Like, those are those are not um, like, why is that such a big deal? Because that is usually how these situations begin. It starts with the taillight or it starts with an air freshener and then it becomes a murder rather than just like who cares if there's an air freshener like why is that why is that a law if you have a taillight out fucking get it fixed but the the thing is is that white people are not pulled over for the same thing and this happened during stop and frisk too which is like when white people were pulled over during stop and frisk overwhelmingly like 80 plus percent of the time they actually had some shit going down like they were doing some creepy shit they were holding a weapon whatever and literally holding a weapon is what it takes (laughs) and it was like in the opposite sense black people would be stopped like 80 percent of the time and only like 10 percent of the time were they actually doing something suspicious blackness is the suspicion that's why black people are afraid of like if you make good money you hesitate for a moment before you buy a nice car I all the time. like you got to consider all these things. Like if you live in a nicer neighborhood, I, I mean, I've been had people be like, oh, you live here? Like when I was living in nicer neighborhoods and I was like, I'm from New York. What in the world? It happens all the time. Like there's just an assumption about who, where you belong and what you're doing in places. And are you supposed to be here? And 
And that assumption is the the reason, oh, I've seen there's something wrong with that guy. Yeah, the problem that is wrong is not the air freshener, is that he black. You just want <laughs> a you want a pretext for it. And like now the New York, for example, as we've just legalized, it's legal automatically to use cannabis if you already have it. So yay, everybody. Um <laughs> can't buy it <laughs> technically until next year but if you mysteriously already have cannabis if they find fine. us with our with our donated cannabis then if it falls from the sky <laughs> you grow the magically there was someone ending up free joints i saw four shots in union square yesterday oh my god because you're not allowed to to share cannabis for money right so by definition you can literally hand out free weed now this is oh, this next year is gonna be great. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take your time, New York. Yeah, but it's like if someone subsidizes you handing out free weed, does that count as handing you yeah. money for weed? Anyway, um, <laughs> but, but 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 the the major point being like you can't smoke in your car, and so that's gonna be the pretext. You know, it's gonna be can we smell weed in your car? Well, to, to your point about that you were just saying about like considering like not buying a nicer car or, you know, being considered suspicious in a certain neighborhood, how is there ever going to be like financial or any sort of equality if like there's this emotional block from engaging in those like higher status things because you're afraid that like you sh- like someone's going to pull you over because they suspect it's not your car. Like, I don't understand. Like, it's like the lack of progress blocks progress because black people are always having to adjust for the reality, even if they can afford like a BMW. It's like you're still adjusting for the reality that you'll face. And it's like it's just it's so fucked up. Yeah, I remember reading in um Simone Sanders book that she always would call ahead when she was working for Bernie Sanders, like just to be like, I look like this and I'm coming like I'm a tall, bald black woman. And uh, because if she didn't, something would happen. And she describes like the one time she did not and people would just be like, you can't, who are you? What are you doing here? So just every time she was going to go somewhere on behalf of the candidate, Bernie Sanders at the time, she would make sure. And she tells a great, a great story of Jane, just like losing her shit on somebody who didn't let Simone in. Uh, But that just was like, I can't imagine obviously having to, uh, plan like she's fucking busy and she has to plan her life out that way i'm i can't can't stop and maybe i should poke this hornet's nest you know what fine i want these do people it. to come after me they're so annoying i will, uh, do it i will crush them um no but like this is we said during the campaign there were so many black women during the campaign who said like this your campaign has a problem with racism happened in 2016 happened again mm-hmm. in 2020 we kept saying like this is a serious problem you guys are just like a lot of white progressives and we understand that you're like zeal about the issues but you're not listening to the people who are most deeply affected by them because you don't think you have to you don't respect our opinions you don't respect us as people you aren't taking it seriously and wow, the blowback was like, how could Bernie be racist because Simone works there? And I was like, Simone's right. dealing with racism. Yeah. Like she has to pre- prepare herself for the amount of racism that's going to happen. I walked, I, I worked the floor above the Clinton campaign and uh, immediately it was like the general election. And I went downstairs and no one questioned 
what I was doing there. No one was like, well, who are you? I'm sorry. And what were you thinking about doing? It's like, oh, I wanted to volunteer. Oh, here, you can sign up over here, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah. Like, no one was like, oh my God, what's a black woman doing here? And it might've been because she had more black women in her campaign than any presidential campaign in history. Yeah. Oh, Hillary. Because she had Maya Harris running it and she had- um, Lots of differences here. Like- Zerlina Maxwell. And it's very stressful, you know, like this is the kind of stuff that you have to carry about and even in left spaces. So I want people not to assume that just because they hold the right positions as white people that they are freed from having to do any of the work Mm -hmm. of like unpacking their racism. Because there are a lot of people who feel like because they approve of a certain candidate or certain policies that they're just not racist anymore. And that's not how that works, sweetie. Yeah. As we know, Amy Cooper had donated, had voted for Obama and donated to Pete Buttigieg. You see, you voted for him a third time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like get out. It's like how uh, it's how get Truly. out is really making fun of like liberal people. Yeah. So following the verdict yesterday, people praised Darnella Frazier, who was just 17 when she really steadily recorded George Floyd's death. There are pictures not of the death. We've seen enough of those, but of the onlookers. And she's just really striking to behold. She's just so steadfast. She's holding her phone. She's capturing every second of it. And without that evidence, this could have forever been listed as a death by a medical event experienced during an arrest. Sammy, I saw you shared something that was going around, which is the press release that went, went around the day this happened, which was just suggested everything yeah. the defense said, which is like, oh, a man happened to die of a medical event while the arrest. And obviously we know somebody strangled him for 10 minutes. Uh, now murderer. I, I'm so fucking glad we can just say murder now. Yeah, that came up in the that came up in the um, trial too. like the super he. Uh, Chauvin called his supervisor. He told him about the event and mm-hmm. he did not mention oh my God. Uh, the whole thing. Ridiculous. Like, this guy was resisting arrest. Failed to mention. He failed, failed to, to mention. mention the nine minutes. Ugh. We all dread the what should we have for dinner question. I mean, I know I do. I love a home-cooked meal, but I don't always have the time, energy, or groceries to make it happen. Being able to feast on a delicious meal without the long prep and cook times is what drew me to Home Chef over the other guys. Home Chef's meals are effortless, so I can spend less time trying to be Top Chef and more time watching it. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. Whether you prefer classic meal kits with pre-portioned ingredients and easy instructions, speedy recipes ready in less than 30 minutes, oven-ready kits with pre-chopped ingredients, or quick microwave meals that assemble in minutes, Home Chef has you covered for delicious meals without the hassle. Home Chef has over 30 options a week and serves a variety of dietary needs, so you never have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. For a limited time, Home Chef is offering our listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and of course, free shipping on your first box. Just go to homechef.com slash fever dream. That's homechef.com slash fever dream for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard that right. Homechef.com slash fever dream must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. 
They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental, change your clothes. I wanted to bring up Darnella Frazier because I just feel like I'm thinking about her oh, I, that reverence and appreciation and pre, for black teens, I think was either rerouted or is being tested this morning um, because another tragedy happened, as we said, basically while the verdict was coming in. Yesterday in Columbus, Ohio, police fatally shot 16-year-old Micaiah Bryant. I also saw 15 and 16. I think she's 16. It doesn't make much of the she's a child. Either way. <laughs> yeah, he shot her four times, four times, and she died. The details remain unclear. Um I don't know how much they remain unclear, so we won't go into them too much. But the police were called to the scene to address a potential fight after a female caller said somebody was threatening them with a knife felt unsafe. Uh, Micaiah's aunt, Hazel, says that it was her that called. Um, So I think we'll find out more confirmation about how the officers originally arrived at the scene and why. The video appears to show Micaiah holding a knife and then officer shot her, as I said, four times and the knife falls to the ground. Um, in the hours after her death, while family members and neighbors were still gathered around, there were cops around shouting Blue Lives Matter at them. There was one wearing a Blue Lives Matter face mask. They were basically just heckling them as the family shouted as Micaiah was basically had died. Like, this is a kid. What are you doing? So immediately there were protests in Columbus last night and the officer has been placed on administrative leave. The video was released basically right away. So this morning, obviously, people are calling attention to the fact that there's no reason to shoot somebody four times um, if you want to disarm them from a knife. This is something that people do in other countries all the time. This is what tasers are for. Um, There are people that are not agents of the state who are able to successfully de-escalate fights between teens on a daily basis. This is the number one argument for, like, why police should not be responding yeah. to domestic disputes or really anything. <laughs> like, what are they like? What are they helping? Yeah, how do you just de- de-escalate if you have a weapon? Right. Or if you're so ha- trigger hungry, happy to use your weapon. Like, I just don't understand, like, what are police helping? Because they're not preventing crime. They're not, they're not uh, preventing death. They're not preventing death. They're causing death. If you, let's say, like, let's say your house gets robbed, they're probably not going to find the robber. Like, they probably won't. So many, like, rape cases go unsolved. Like, what the fuck are they even doing? They're literally just, like, a a murdering circus. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um, I want to kind of come back for a second to, um, to Darnella because... 
I, I, I want the appreciation not to just be for this moment and not just to be in the wake of the, um, the verdict, but to remember that like, and I mean, it's too late now, like her name is out there. Um, her age is out there. It's been known for a really long time, but like, there were a lot of Ferguson activists who mysteriously committed suicide and or died in the wake of the protests in 2014. Like, please be aware that like she's she was a child and that she she also has a life to live and police are retaliatory as fuck. Like they really are. Um, and to do our best as a society to keep an eye on her out of the corner of our eye to make sure that she's okay and to not accept any explanation for something that might happen to her as like, oh, it just happens. Life just happens. Because there are a lot of dead activists at this point. Do you have somewhere where we can read about that? Because I would love to like read about that more. Yeah, uh, off the top of my head, like I, I didn't. I could just Google it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we can send them around later and include them in the show notes. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I will, I will definitely find it. But there, there was like a a series of like black activists who just were dying. Oh, oh, suddenly suicide or heart attack in their car or, and you're like, what is happening here? And these are like again, mostly young people, mostly in their twenties and thirties. It's like it's really important to understand that just because you're be- being visible does not make you safe um as a black person like there's kind of an assumption like they wouldn't do that yes they would okay mlk died from assassination like people thinking that like there's some level at which you get safe is not true um and so we we do need to and and i'm just thinking about it's like black life in this country is disposable they didn't think of Makia as having a future. They didn't think of her as having friends or family. They didn't think of her as being troubled or needing help. They didn't think of her as someone with a life worth living who was going to have great moments of joy and pain and contribution to this world. They didn't think of her as a person who had already done that and made a massive impact on people's lives. And that's how you can roll up and decide, oh, I see some teen girls who are fighting. You know what the answer to this is? I'll just take out a gun and shoot the person who seems to be causing the trouble. And, you know, uh, there's not everyone faces a level of dehumanization. I don't want to talk for like every black person in the world. But I do want to say like, of course, I've faced dehumanization. And especially as a teenager, you know, even me, I'm like, I have giant eyes. I I was, God, I was like 120 soaking wet. And like, I, I often had people treat me like a threat and it, it is dehumanizing, but also people who just don't think you're ever going to mean anything. They don't, it doesn't matter how they treat you. It doesn't matter what they say to you. Your thoughts and feelings don't matter because you're never going to amount to anything. You're not an important kid in the world. So I, I think it's really important to like remember that, you know, Darnella, Makia, these were children who just wanted to do the right thing, who wanted to live whole lives, who maybe for Makia it was just a mistake. And for Danella, it was a, a moment of profound brilliance and unfortunately like compassion that she should not have had to practice. 
but like both of their lives meant something. Black lives matter. You know, like when we say that we are talking about this, that like our lives matter regardless of whether or not we are perfect and we have the right to live. Yeah, I'm so sorry, Caitlin. That is like, I mean, it, yeah, it's just, I don't even have the words. I don't think there are really any words that yeah, can especially be, to hear you describe yeah. that and just to know the richness of your life now and know mm-hmm. that they just looked at Makia and did not, did not see or acknowledge that for her. And I'm just thinking about how many adulthood and being a teenager is, is challenging and family dynamics are challenging. And I think if you think really hard, we can, a lot of us can think of like some friend of ours who was probably white, who you find out had a really serious situation of maybe violence in high school and nothing happened. And they were given the help that they needed, whether police had to intervene or not, and saw the value in helping them and everything was fine. I know that happened a lot um, in my area and it was treated completely differently. And these people were allowed to live and it barely affected their ability to have a livelihood. And now she's this 16 year old, she only got 16 years. It's devastating. Yeah, that's just a lack of disregard and value for life. And like, I don't know how you teach that, especially to a system that is that was founded kind of on the basis of not of the of the opposite of that. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Caitlin. I know I appreciate it. And our listeners do. That is our show for today. Until the end of democracy. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Sammy Sage. I'm Caitlin Gray. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman, Jorge Morales Pico, and Sean Kilby. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Be sure to follow at Betches underscore SUP on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send us your emails to SUPPod at Betches.com. Betches.